0: I have some things here in my personal life and some, some things here that I've collected over the years. Um, you know, my, my, my dad kind of got me in a habit early on to, co- to, to collect headlines, to keep headlines and a uh, famous things that happened in my life. And, and, uh, and so I've been collecting these headlines. I went through them last night, just pulled out a few of my, um, uh, some of the highlights you know, in uh, some great moments, some not so great moments and, um, of of my of my time period, I have one that really was before I was born and uh, but I end up having one of these and, um, and this is a life magazine of of the of john f kennedy's funeral and how many of you might remember that right, and some of you would that was beyond my time but then um As I got into life, one of my fondest, earliest memories was sports. I mean, I love sports, and some of my headlines are sports headlines, you know, and and, uh, I was a big, I was in fourth grade, but my parents would let me watch baseball every night in 1984 to watch the dominance of the Detroit Tigers. And how many remember this uh, type of headline right here? This is Gibby right here. This is actually a magazine. I have a headline somewhere. I couldn't find it, but I actually have the newspaper article, and, uh, but that was a, a favorite of mine. Um, I look at some of these other ones uh, here, and see if I can pull out some of these here. Um, this is when, um, let's see here. Back in 1997, Detroit Red Wings won their first hockey uh, Stanley Cup in, in 50 years, you know, almost 50-something years, and, and so that was a huge moment. Um, and also, in 1997, I remember when Princess Diana died, and that was kind of a, a shock wave around the world. And uh, we're still hearing that—you know—the impact of that, of that of her death even today. And, uh, and then this is the Michigan plug, all right? Michigan U of M plug, hail Michigan! Right? This is 1998 when they won the national championship, and uh, when they beat Washington State in the Rose Bowl, and uh, and then. Um, 1995, I was in Pensacola. This is not a huge headline for the Detroit Free Press, but it did make the Free Press headline. And, um, and I said, Opal's death toll hit 15. They say, Opal, what's Opal? And that was the first hurricane I lived in. Uh, hurricane Opal. And so my dad said, hey, I got you a uh, headline about Hurricane Opal. I said, all right, that's my... Uh, and, I, and since then, I've, been in, uh, I've lived through several Different hurricanes, uh, Hurricane Ivan, Hurricane Katrina. Well, I was a part of Hurricane Katrina. It actually hit Pensacola, Florida, um, Category One. It hit Category Five in New Orleans. Since so though, with a big, massive hurricane. And so I've been in multiple hurricanes, and and uh, I've actually did a wedding uh, one time in a, a, a tropical storm that was just almost became a hurricane. Never got to hurricane status in the eye of the. Uh, of that storm went right over the IDU. so with an interesting, <laughs> wedding, and of course this is one that we can, you know, most of us um, might remember. This is uh, in 2001, where the 9/11 happened, and um, and this was uh, one of those uh, one of those defining moments in a lot of our in a lot of our history. And I think about these things, and you know, by the way, um, you know, on that. Building, we're having a guest speaker in a few weeks, and um, Sujo John, who was on the 81st floor of that building. And um, and this year, we reflect 20 years ago, and he will actually be here on 9-11 and 9-12, and uh, four services, one on Saturday night at 5 o'clock and three on Sunday morning. It's gonna be a powerful, powerful service. And um, I've known Sujo for over 10 years, and uh, his story is just, Incredible, and if you've heard him before, you know how amazing he is, and an opportunity to invite someone. We got invite cards, you invite somebody. I've already invite, invited people this past week. I've got them in my pocket. I've got them in my pocket before I preach, but I, I have them in my pocket, and I'm, I'm handing them out. I say, hey, why to not you come? And, um, and so, four different options, to hear an incredible story, to remember, to never forget, to never forget. Remembering things. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not so fun, and uh, we want, but we remember. You know, sometimes uh, some of the best conversation begins with, "Hey, do you remember when?" And then you fill in the blank. We have some of our favorite conversations. Remember the good times, the important, the important stuff, the not so important stuff, and uh, and, and here's what we see throughout the Old Testament. We see. God always reminding people, and the Old Testament was always teaching his people to remember. Um, many times uh, in the Old Testament, we would see an, a monument, or, or, or God would create, uh, tell them to put a stone, or sometimes He would tell them, "Hey, lay down twelve stones," you know, what means the twelve tribes of Israel in a certain place to. To, to always remember, to always remind, it was the ancient day of our version of a statue. It's to help us to remember a, an event, a, a, a place, or a person. And, um, and to remember. And, and God would say, hey, when someone asks you about this, about why this stone or why this was erected, to, to tell them what happened. And Remember to remember what God has done in that moment. Now, if I were to tell you to go home today and that this would be the last, last opportunity that you had to be able to speak to those you love, you would probably begin to think, I mean, if you knew this was, you know, today was your last day and you say, you know what, I've got my last day of life here to spend some time with my friends and family, what would you say? Those are the things you think about. What do I want to say? Or what do I want to do in my last opportunities? If you knew that. And uh, we actually see this in the New Testament. We actually see this scenario played out when Jesus had been in his last moment in the upper room with the disciples. Jesus knew that he was about to die. He knew that his time was coming to an end. No question about that. The disciples, they, they didn't know. I I think the disciples were aware that some things were happening. They could, you know, they they you know, Jesus was really kind of doing some real deep teaching right there at the end in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, all the way to 17. I mean, you know, he's kind of giving his last conversations. And then he's having a dinner. He spent time and have a meal with them to celebrate the Passover meal. Jesus, in that Passover meal, he goes a little bit off script of the traditional Passover meal. And he introduced a new covenant. In other words, a new way of doing things going forward. Passover, you know, was a way to remember the Israelites, to remember their freedom from Egypt, a couple thousand years before that, they were remembering, you know, the, the 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 ten plagues and that last plague where where the death angel went throughout the land of Egypt. And if you didn't have the blood on the doorpost of your home, the death angel would come into the home of that house, and any firstborn that was living in that house from adulthood. To childhood was slain, was slain. And if you had the blood on your doorpost, the Bible said that the death angel passed over. That's why they called it Passover. And they were remembering because after that moment, the Pharaoh, Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt said, get out of here, leave, go. And they, you know, began their journey the promised land that God had for them. And so Jesus, is, they're having a Passover dinner to remember this important event in their history. But then Jesus, again, goes off script, and he picks, he picks up some bread. And we see this reflection in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. In the second part of that verse, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and he gave thanks. He broke it, he broke the bread. And then he said, "This is my body, which is for you. so I'm giving my life for you." He said, "Do this in remembrance of me." He's making a mem- He's setting up a, a, a little memorial not made out of stone, but made out of bread, broken bread, which is a picture of the broken body of Jesus, who died on the cross for you and for me. And in the same way, the Bible says in verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And again, this was a reminder. I remember he said in another memorial, and this time the memorial in, in this, uh, what was in the cup, this, this wine that was in the cup. And, and so Jesus' last moment of his life, before he was to die on the cross, he chose to give the disciples and to you and to me a symbol, an act of remembrance. Because he knew how critical it was for them as his followers to remember who he was and what he had done. Remember, it's important to God. What should we remember? I want to download this one, Big thought this morning, and we're gonna unpack this a little bit. But I want to unpack this one thought about remembrance. If you're taking notes, remembering God's faithfulness from the past, it allows us to trust Him in the future. Remembering His faithfulness in the past, it allows us to trust Him in the future. Why should you remember? Because we see what he's done in our past. And we're reminded of how great he is and how faithful he is. What propels us to keep trusting him for tomorrow. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses is about to retire. Uh, He has led the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness to the promised land. They're now at the brink of the Promised Land, that's the, what the Bible calls the Jordan River. And they're at the Promised Land, this is actually the second time they've made it to the Promised Land, the first time was 40 years previous, and because of their lack of faith, because they forgot about the faithfulness of God and didn't believe that God would take care of them in the Promised Land, God decided to punish that generation that they would not be able to cross into the promised land. So 40 years later, that generation has now passed. They passed away, and now it's the sons and daughters of the next generation, and Moses has kind of given them like his last words here. He said, hey, guys, you know, let's, let's not do a deja vu moment here. Let's not repeat what happened 40 years ago. You need to remember. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 17, he said, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are, the nations of the promised land, right? He said, so how can we drive them out? He said, but do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember and remember it well. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget how big your God is, all right? He said, you saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt. And the Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples that you now fear. God's faithfulness in the past, Moses says, to allow you to trust him for the future. He said, don't forget what God has done. You see, 40 years previous, Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14, you know, God, you know, Moses had picked 12 men, one man from each tribe of Israel, to spy into the promised land and they come back and tell us, you know, here they are. They're on the brink of the Jordan River. They're about to go in. And those 12 men, if you remember, they went into the promised land and they were gone for a while. They came back. Two of those men, Joshua and Caleb. By the way, it's interesting, out of the 12 men, we remember the two men' name that had the positive report, Joshua and Caleb. Because the other 10 men, they came out, was a negative report. They came out and they said, oh man, it's a beautiful land all right, it's gorgeous, but we can never take this land. We can never have it. And they talk about the fortified cities and how the walls were thick, and we'll never conquer those cities, and the army and the military of of those cities, those city states were powerful. Even said that, man, some of these enemies are giants. They're huge. They're going to squash us. The Bible says in, in, uh, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, down your screen, but they said this. And so we seem like grasshoppers to them. And in and, and, and our own eyes, and we look the same in their eyes. We look like grasshoppers. I mean, they're going to squash us like bugs. Ain't good. I, I, sometimes I think about us, you know, sometimes, you know, and that's what sin does. Sin minimizes, it minimizes who God is, and it maximizes our own postal fears. It tends to exaggerate, because that's the point of exaggeration. Oh man, we, we look like little baby grasshoppers. Uh, and sometimes in our know, walk with God, We forget, and uh, and this is a word I used before. I kind of came up with this word, and um, I get the credit for in Webster Dictionary. There should be my name on this, but uh, I took the word grasshopper, and I made it a verb, because some of us grasshoppered. We're grasshoppered. We come into a trial or a testing, and then instead of saying, man, I know who God is, we look at the trials, we look at our circumstances, and we and say, Oh, no, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can get through this. I'm about to get squashed like a bug. It's going to be awful. We're and Some of you, you know, we've grasshoppered. You know, this last 18 months, man, our faith has been tested, hasn't it? And if you're not careful, you're getting, you can get to a, your your gospel from social media and from the news about all I mean we can start looking and say, oh man, the world is falling apart. And it may be, but sometimes we can forget who God is. We forget and we grasshopped. We go backwards. You see, faith doesn't always tell us what to do. Faith doesn't always tell us what to do, but it does tell us whom we should look to. That's what faith is. Not in our circumstances, but in our God, and we need to remember God's faithfulness from what he's done in the past so that it will allow us to trust Him in the future. I want to highlight three things about what we need to remember, three things. Number one, if you're taking note, we need to remember the promises of God. We need to remember the promises of God, that God's promises are faithful and true. You know, this week, uh, we're actually flying out tomorrow to go out west and uh, to Yellowstone, and our family going to see um, Mount Rushmore, all the kind of stuff that we're going to do. And um, this week we're going to see uh, Old Faithful. Old Faithful is one of the, you know, number one, I think it's the number one tourist spot in all of Yellowstone. And uh, every 90 minutes, on average, Old Yellowstone, and the Old Faithful just shoots up 100, 130 feet up in the air for about two, two and a half minutes. Every 75 to 90 minutes, without that That's why I call them Old Faithful. Promises of God and faithful every time, every time. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, because of his glory, because of his excellence, because of who he is, right? It's about him. It says he has given us great and precious promises. In other words, because of who God is, you can bank on his promises. They're faithful and true. He said, these are the promises that enables you to share his divine nature and escape the world corruption caused by human desires. You see, we serve a God who doesn't just say that he will deliver. He doesn't just say it, but he does it. That's the God we serve. He's not an all-taught God. He's an all-taught. You God. That's our God. You know, my friend, uh, Tim Payne, he's a pastor of, of, you know, he's been up here before and uh, in Pensacola. We serve together. And uh, in, in Pensacola, Florida, there's a church every, you know, every other building. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, in the, in the Bible, you know, in the South, it's called a Bible Belt. We always say Pensacola is the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. At one time, they had more churches per square mile, you know, um, in, the, in the world record books. I don't know if that's the case now, but it was a lot of churches. And, and my friend, he was driving up the road, and, and there was a Methodist church that had a little sign or a marquee, and, uh, and, and it's real simple. It said, God said it. And then the second line, it says, I believe it. And then the third line it says, that settles it for me. And you know, great, it's a great thing, I mean, you know, it's one of those cliches that you see sometimes on a church marquee, especially down south, okay? You see those, you know, and it just, that's one of those things. God said it, I believe it, that settles it for me. And I drove back to many times, but Tim, you know, Tim, my friend, it battered him. And so he actually pulled over one night went to that marquee and opened up the sign that's his sign. Uh, he's crazy like this. And he took out the middle line. Stacked up the letters and put it on top of the sign. The sign says, God says it, that settles it for me. Whether you believe it or not, God's word, God's promises are settled. They told me about it. I said, oh man, you did? He said, yeah, yeah. And they kept that sign like that for another year. They never added it back up. I think the church was like, hey, that makes sense, too. Whether you believe it or not, God's promises is true. You realize there are over 3,000 promises in the Scripture. Some of my favorite ones, I'll put them all in the handout notes. Just some of them, Matthew 11, chapter 28 and 29. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your soul. One of my favorite promises in the scripture. I I love Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And he said, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angel nor demon, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. What a promise. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love Romans 8:28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Isaiah 49, verse 15. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she had born but even if that were possible, I would never forget you. That's why we can count on God in every situation in life. We can count on him, he would never forget us. I'm reminded today of the promises of God and how true it is. Number two, we need to remember his word. Remember God's word. Moses saw the importance of making sure that God's people Did not forget the divine scriptures. Moses, in that last speech, right before he retired, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he said, these commandments, he's talking about the Ten Commandments and all the commandments that follow that. He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. He said, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You see, the key to remembering and not forgetting, Moses said it's repetition. By the way, if you're a teacher, you 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 understand this. The key to teaching uh, the kids, you know, the the students, is the repetition. You know, you you don't just say it one time, you know, you you go over and over and over again. You know, not just one week, but several weeks. And then when they get to the next grade, guess what? They're reviewing the repetition so that they will not forget. They will not forget. Here's the deal. When you hear new information, when you hear new information, most people will forget 70% of what they heard in the first 24 hours. And in a week, they will forget 90% of new information. So that just gives me great confidence, right? that you're going to forget today's message. By tomorrow morning, you're going to forget about 70% 70 of it. 90% of it, by next week, you're going to be like, what did God talk about last week? You know, that's just how we are. That's why Moses said to never stop talking about God's word. We need to remember, remember, remember. King David in Psalm 119, verse 97, He said, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. I think about your word. He said, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. I'm constantly remembering your word. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking. Of your laws. I'm always remembering. I'm always reflecting. You got to remember God's word. Remember. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or joining with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it. Day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season. They, they, the Bible said to meditate. I, I've used it before, but the idea of meditate, it's a, it's a picture of a cow that's eating his food. You know what a cow does? They would chew up the grass. They swallow it. They let the grass or the hay, you know, circulate in the stomach with the gastric acid in the, in the stomach kind of you know, work its magic on that grass. And then, after a little bit, this is disgusting, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the cow kind of vomited in his mouth, the, the hay. And it adds new flavor to it from his stomach acid. And now it's back in his mouth. That's why it looks so, you know, when you see a cow, you just say, man, his mouth looks disgusting. It's because he got this process, he's reverberating Right, we're cycling that, that grass seed or that grass that he just ate, and, and, and that's where we get the idea of chewing its it cuds. I'm saying, when you get to the scripture, you should chew the cuds out of it. <laughs> Meditate, absorb it, reflect on it. That's a way to remember the word of God. Meditate. Number three, we need to remember God's. Great actions. Remember what God has done in our lives. Moses had to constantly remind the Israelites to take steps of faith. By the way, if you stop taking steps of faith, you stop growing in your walk with God, you will forget. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Peter said this. He said, make every effort to respond to God's promises. He said, supplement, he said, add to your faith. You got to grow your faith, okay? He said, supplement your faith with a generous provision of more excellence and more excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and, and, and add godliness with brotherly affection and add to brotherly affection with love for everyone. And he said, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop, those who stop growing, they become short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. We have to remember what God has done in our lives, but if we don't grow, We'll forget. We'll forget. We need to remember his salvation. We need to remember his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. Second Timothy chapter 2 Timothy three verse 8. Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. Raised. From the dead today, our heavenly Father wants us to walk away with some refreshing memories, to remember how good God is, how He solved some of our difficult problems, how He answered our prayers, and how gracious He is to us. You see, remembering God's faithfulness in the past helps us to trust Him for the future in our deepest needs and in every hardship. In your deepest need and your deepest hardship, don't forget to look up. Don't forget. Remember who he is and what he has done. When we take communion in a few minutes, we're gonna remember. Are we reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of our Great God. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today to prepare our hearts for communion. Help us to remember. Help us never to forget your promises. Help us never to forget your word. God, help us to never forget what you did for us and for salvation that you died on a cross for our sins, that we can have eternal life, that we can have a life that's more abundant and free in this life and for eternity. So remember, God help us never to forget. Help us to keep trusting you. Even when life gets difficult, When circumstances of life is hard, help us to look up and not forget you. In Jesus' name, amen.